Welcome to Who Was She podcast, where I, Tara Jabari, share the stories of women throughout Baha'i history. This is the final episode of this season about the life of Lydia Zemanoff, an Esperantist and Baha'i who traveled through three continents to teach languages in efforts to bring unity to humankind. On December 9th, 1938, Lydia arrived back in Poland. It took her some getting used to. She wrote, The highest skyscraper in Warsaw, of which the city is so proud because it has 17 stories, cannot impress me anymore. She wrote about her travels, and despite the many hardships she went through, she only spoke of all the friendships she made. Lydia missed teaching Esperanto, but decided to focus on translating Baha'i writings into Esperanto, now that she had the time. She also found out, about a friend who died in France and wrote to the family expressing her condolences and also her own feelings about death. Personally, I believe that the destruction of the human body does not mean the death of the person. This body, composed of atoms, must disintegrate because everything that is composed must decompose. But the higher part of man, his spirit, does not consist of atoms. It is not a combination of chemical elements and is not subject to the law of decomposition. I believe that our consciousness lives on in ways and conditions which we, still living in the body, cannot imagine. Just as the little child in the womb of its mother is incapable of imagining the world it will be coming into and for which is being prepared. Those thoughts are a great consolation for me. Whenever physical death places a barrier between myself and those I love. Her thoughts and beliefs could bring some comfort to others, and certainly to her as the world entered a new war that would ultimately be the cause of her death. By fall 1939, the Third Reich invaded Poland, which began the Second World War. After three weeks of trying to fight them off, Warsaw was conquered. Now they were all under the Nazi rule, and Jews had to be distinguished from the rest of the population at all times, which meant that Jews had to wear the Star of David on their sleeves and Jewish businesses and schools were closed with their quarters surrounded by fences and barbed wire to keep away from everyone else. Learning of what was going on and news about Lydia in particular were scarce and hard to distinguish from rumor. In November 1939, the same year that Martha Root died, some Jewish newspapers in the U.S. reported that the Zemanov family were arrested because Lydia had gone to the United States to spread anti-Nazi propaganda. Esperantists and Baha'is in America worked together to try and save Lydia's life. They contacted the Polish embassy and the U.S. State Department officials in Berlin, but officially they all said they could not take any action as Lydia was not an American citizen. Letters sent to Lydia's family were being returned with no forwarding address, but in March 1940, Stefan Zemanoff, Lydia's cousin who was in New York when the war broke out, was able to learn from family in Russia that the whole family had been arrested after the occupation in Warsaw. Adam, her brother, was the first to be arrested at the Jewish hospital where he had been the director. Then his wife, Wanda, and sister Sophia were arrested. His son, Ludwig, was spared due to his illness, possibly of typhus, and therefore left at home. Lydia was also arrested. Ludwig eventually was able to share that Lydia and Sophia were released after several months in Pawek prison and found a place to stay in Orgorodowa Street, 
since the Zemanov home had been destroyed during the bombardment of Warsaw. Adam was sent to Danowasaska prison. Eventually, it was learned that at the end of January 1940, Dr. Adam Zemanov had been shot and killed with a hundred other intellectuals and professionals. Meanwhile, an Esperantist, Joseph Arzenik, who was taught the Baha'i faith by Lydia, visited her before the ghetto was sealed off. He offered to hide Lydia in his home on the outskirts of Warsaw. After the war, Mr. Arsenic wrote, That noble woman refused my offer to save her, saying that I, with my family, could lose our lives because whoever hides a Jew perishes along with the Jew who is discovered. He also wrote that Lydia's last words to him were, Do not think of putting yourself in danger. I know that I must die, but I feel it my duty to stay with my people. God grant that out of our sufferings, a better world may emerge. I believe in God. I am a Baha'i and will die a Baha'i. Everything is in his hands. After the war, Mr. Arzenek became a Baha'i and lived to the age of 80. There are accounts of attempts to save Lydia's life. One in particular is what personally inspired me to learn more about Lydia. In the late 1930s for Germany, it was clear all signs pointed to a war. A German Baha'i, Fritz Mako, and his brother and friends were worried about what that meant for them. As Baha'is, they must obey their government, but also as Baha'is, they did not want to fight and did not agree with Germany's politics. The men wrote a letter to the guardian of the Baha'i faith, Shoghi Effendi, for guidance. The guardian reportedly replied that if their desire not to take a life was sincere, God would assist them in attaining it. Fritz and his brother and friends were soon drafted into the army. All of them died in the first week of war with the exception of 24-year-old Fritz. He was sent to Warsaw as an ambulance driver for the German army, which allowed him to not be in a non-combatant duty. He was puzzled as to why he was spared, but when he arrived in Warsaw and found Lydia, he believed he was spared to help save her life. Again, Lydia refused to leave her people, and though he could not save her life, Fritz would go on to help the resistance and save many other Jews and Baha'is in occupied land, including his own mother. Sadly, in September 1944, Fritz was killed. By 1942, there was scarce information on Lydia, but she was able to send a postcard to a friend in Holland, sharing that Sophia and sister-in-law Wanda are working as doctors in the ghetto. Although she never wrote it down, it was probable that Lydia was teaching others English. This was against the law, as English was considered the enemy's language under occupied Poland, but it gave people hope. But in July 1942, there was the order that all the Jews of the Warsaw Ghetto were to be deported to the east, to a camp called Treblinka. While Wanda and her son Ludwig were able to escape and survive outside the ghetto during the deposition, Lydia and Sophia were not able to. They were taken 120 kilometers from Warsaw to Driplinka. The death camp was about 50 acres and surrounded by anti-tank barriers and barbed wire with watchtowers in each corner. There were gas chambers and burial pits where the bodies were disposed of originally by lime, then later by burning on large iron racks. Eventually, Nazis 
became worried that the mass graves might be discovered, so they exhumed and burned them. It is calculated that 1,200,000 Jews died at Treblinka, including Lydia and her sister. The author of Lydia's biography, Wendy Heller, writes, Among the ashes in the ground at Treblinka are those of Lydia Zemanoff. She was 38 years old. After the war, it was discovered that miraculously, the Jewish cemetery had not been destroyed and Ludwig Semenov's tomb still stood. There eventually would be a plaque set in place on Clara Semenov's grave with the names of Lydia and Sophia that reads, murdered in the year 1942. Let the memory of them last forever. There was a memorial service held in honor of Lydia by the Baha'is of the United States and Canada on the week of October 25, 1946. Lydia refused to allow others to endanger themselves in order to save her. She felt a duty to be with her family and the Jewish community. Lydia never hid away from trying to find meaning in the world. She found love in faith and language that she believed would unite everyone. She believed what truly mattered was how someone faced a challenge. I leave you with Lydia's own words. Behind the densest clouds, the sun is shining, that the most great peace will come. Whoever can still find in his heart a single ray of faith, as delicate as any a spider's thread, will not perish in the abyss, but even if all the powers of this would rise to struggle against him, to push him down, even in the fall itself he will stop, and by this ray, as why the biblical ladder, even out of the abyss, will ascend to heaven. This has been Who Was She Podcast. Follow us on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. And please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Logo was designed by Angela Masakio. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari.